0: Blob Talk Radio Dilocybin.
1: Dilocybin. Uh.
2: What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Let's get this party started around this evening. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for bringing us tonight. This is going to be plenty of, plenty of bombs dropping tonight. Plenty of bombs breaking. Lots of sound effects jumping off. And we know we got to bring the in tonight. It's going to be a whole bunch of stuff. If you've never heard some of this, you'll probably say, man, that's breaking news. All right. This one is going to be and. We'll also, try to put some money in your pocket. So, thank you for joining tonight's show Infinity Wars, Star Trek, and Hollywood Fact or Fiction with Kalinda E.E. This is episode eight, and we've had seven barn burners, and we ain't going to let you down right tonight. Welcome. Today's date is the 27th of February. Big shouts out to all the Pisces. It's a new beginning of a 28 day moon cycle. If you're interested in understanding more about that, please go over to moonmagic28.com to learn how the eight phases of the moon dictates your entire life, but you just may not be in rhythm with it. So big shouts out to moonmagic28.com. Go on over there and check that out and start pulling it together. Virgo's rising right now at 29 degrees in Atlanta, Georgia. We're getting ready to get specific, but we're getting ready to move into Libra as a rising sign so that's gonna be talking about relationships. I love when we just apply astrology exactly to what we got going on in the moment um and it's probably gonna to relate to how we relate how we relate to the things that are being broadcast to our subconscious. uh I can't do this show without myself each and every week. My brother from another mother, partner from the same mind, same rhyme. Always joins me. Y'all put your hands together for my man Bio. Peace, 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 peace. peace, peace. I man, I love Oh man. <laughs> Woo.
3: I, hey, and I know he loves science fiction, and I know he loves comic books. So he's gonna have a lot to say. It's gonna be some great information dropped tonight.
2: Oh, I'm loading up with the questions right at the beginning because normally when he comes on, he just is like, oh, they ain't got no questions for me. Let's let me get it started. But I'm going to lay out what kind of questions do you have tonight, brother, that you might, you know, because we're talking about Thanos, the Infinity Wars, Marvel Universe, and Star Trek, specifically Star Trek Discovery, okay? Mm. But I want to ask you first, what are the things that are on your mind If you can be like, Man, I got Kalinda here. This is like this is I'm, we in his bag right here. We mm-hmm, in his mm-hmm. bag right now. We, like mm-hmm. he doesn't have any notes in front of him. We don't need it. What are some things that you want to hear him cover tonight? I
3: want to since we're talking about Thanos, the Infinity War, Marvel. I want to hear about those shiny stones on the that glove that he wears, the Infinity Stones. I want to hear because I heard. That those are real I heard that that isn't just In the comic book or in the movie That there are actual Infinity stones here On this planet and you can access Them I want to hear about that Hmm.
2: I want to hear about The guy who made the gauntlet I watched the movie Mm. last night So a lot of people don't realize that They took the shortest man on TV Who plays on the Game of Thrones and made him even bigger than Thor, bigger than Thanos. And he made Mm. Thor normal. He made the axe that could kill Thanos, and he made the gauntlet that could hold the stones. So I Mm. hope he covers that tonight as well. Um, Mm. And I don't know whether he's going to start with Star Trek Discovery, because I think two weeks ago he talked about, he just said it in passing, too. He does this all the time. And he was like, Man, they got the whole show based off the Mycelium Network and the Spore drive. And I was like, huh? On, on, on mm. Star Trek? So I don't know where he wants to start, but he can start wherever he wants. He's the big OG. And without further ado, and I, oh, Hollywood, are they making this stuff up or are they fictionalizing facts and retelling and reselling our story back to us? Mm. That's what I want to know tonight. And the sun is in Pisces. We all know Pisces rules, the movies. Neptune is in Pisces tonight. Ooh, the sun is sitting right on top of my north. No, it's at 9 degrees. Ooh, it's getting popping. Mercury is in Pisces. This is a good one right here. Yes, Mars is in Taurus. Let's get it popping. Without further ado, let's get the bombs dropping. Put your hands together for... How will we the... The come the... the... Brother Kalinda. Thanks for joining us tonight, Brother Kalindi. How you feeling?
4: I'm well. How's everybody doing? Good, good, good.
2: I'm like Christmas right good, now Will. on Christmas Eve because, to me, I even called college yesterday, and we had to talk like 30 minutes to figure out what to even do for this show because I'm still reeling off the Younger Dryas. So if anybody, this is your first show tonight, we really want you to go back to Episode 7 and catch the Younger Dryas. And I was like, what are we going to talk about next week? He done said it all. But I gotta, I, I, I cannot let you go on your world tour this summer without you breaking down Star Trek and the Infinity Wars and how in the hell did the Spores make it out to Star Trek and all the other stuff that you may want to cover tonight. So I just want to turn it over to you, big brother. And uh, thank you for your time this evening.
4: Well, thank you for having me as always. Well, I mean, we can start off with um, Star Trek discovery and uh, it's just in its (laughs) second, second season. And, you know, they're starting to expand out and, Everyone's getting their sea legs and the characters are starting to solidify and they get ready to bring Spock into the picture. So it's becoming more and more interesting, and I'm sure when Spock comes in, it'll be that much more interesting. The thing that I've been really looking at when dealing with uh, Star Trek Discovery, uh, the newest rendition of Star Trek, I think it's uh, I think it's a sound rendition of the the uh, Star Trek franchise. You know, some of them were kind of uh, kind of weak, but this one seems to be strong and then they are utilizing um astral mycology, in other words, uh, m- uh, mushrooms that are in other dimensions and in outer and inner space. And the mycelium network, and for those that don't know what mycelium is, mycelium is the actual, it's the actual mushroom, it's a network of fibrous connections that utilize information and pass that information through the network. It's kind of like the Earth's internet, but it's on other planets also, and it's transdimensional. in other words, it, it transfers information between dimensions. So when we look at mycelium in relationship to the earth, first of all, the mycelium is what brings about the fruiting body and what we see as the mushroom, uh, you know, where you got the stem and the cap and things like that, that's the sexual portion of the mushroom. It means that the mycelium has sequestered as much nutrition from a particular area as it can, and it says, okay, well, I don't have anything else to eat. We're going to have to sprout out these fruiting bodies, which then shoot out the spores, and the spores go out into the atmosphere and find new ground to build mycelium and for it to gather nutrition, gather information, and then the cycle continues. In a cubic centimeter of earth, if you took – the mycelium that's in that cubic centimeter of earth and, and laid, the, laid it in the end, it would reach about 300 miles. Uh, a footprint would, you know, uh, the amount of mycelium that would be under your feet. It holds the soil together. Um, when you have soil erosion, you don't have any mycelium in the soil. And mycelium has a mycorrhizal relationship with plant, with the plant kingdom. Um, because fungi is a whole different kingdom than the plant kingdom. And we're more closely related to fungi than we are any of the other kingdoms. We have fungal uh, genes in our our body, and uh, that's one of the reasons why it's so difficult to get rid of a fungal infection uh, as opposed to a bacterial infection. And that's why moles, fungi, and things like that fight bacteria in their natural environment. And that's why you take things like penicillin and things like that to, you know, to fight bacteria in your body. So, mycelium is necessary for the growth of plants. Mycelium is the precursor of topsoil because mushrooms, fungi, in Include themselves in the lowest level of the food chain. In other words, they're molecular disassemblers. In other words, if you had a tree and it falls in the forest, and there's no mycelium there, no fungi there to eat it, then it'll just sit there for millions of years. But since we have in the soil different fungi that will break the uh, lignin and the different constituents in the Wood down to help to create topsoil. The trees don't last that very long. Uh, they don't last very long because they're being disassembled by fungi. So, uh, one of the uh, ways that mycelium or spores, which bring about the mycelium, are viewed as they're viewed as extraterrestrial informational structures. In other words, spores are some of the hardest things in nature, they approach the hardness of metal. So in the environment of the vacuum of space with very low temperature, no moisture, they are virtually immortal. And just by uh, solar winds can percolate through the galaxy, until they can find a wholesome place to be able to um, to be able to flourish, so you have mushrooms that and fungi that are all over the universe all over the galaxy, all over the solar system, even on planets that may not have animal life or plant life, spores and fungi are still there. One of the reasons why the mere space station. Was was uh, decommissioned or moving towards? I mean, decommissioned is because of mushrooms growing on the space station and growing inside of the the, the walls and things like that. Because mushrooms uh, or fungi or mycelium or spores can live in space and as they move through the galaxy, through black holes and other other things that move transdimensionally or hyperdimensionally or extradimensionally or transdimensionally, they can move with or embedded in rock or ice through black holes into other dimensions. And if we look at things like quantum mechanics, um, if we look at, the very, very small particles that are the basis for our macro macro world and the inclusion of these very, very small spores going through things like wormholes and black holes and things like that into other galaxies and solar systems on the other side, you have the ability for particle entanglement, in other words, that Once particles are in contact, it doesn't matter if they're across the galaxy or light years away, they have a relationship with one another and are in contact with one another. So spores from this universe that are in another universe can transfer information from universe to universe, from galaxy to galaxy, from solar system to solar system, and that information moves superliminally, In other words, faster than the speed of light. So when on Star Trek Discovery, when they're talking about they have a spore drive, which is utilizing spores that are in contact with one another to be able to move the Discovery uh, Starcraft from one place to the other, then they're talking uh, very, very high science. When they're talking about the mycelium network, they're moving... On the extra dimensional mycelial network, the transdimensional dimensional network. So, what's happening is by utilizing these spores and utilizing the mycelium, they can travel faster than trekking. Trekking is, of course, bringing two distant points together and being able to move uh, faster than light that way. But the spore drive is faster than the warp drive on the starship discovery. So when they want to go thousands of light years and move faster than the warp drive, because if you had a place where and one of the episodes they had where they had to move to where something was going on, but if they use just plain warp drive, it would take, maybe 185 years. But if they utilize the spore drive, the spore drive could get them there in, you know, less than two seconds or something like that. So they're talking very high science and they're talking um, astromecology, which is uh, the mushroom's relationship to the outer realms, the outer solar systems and things like that. And the person who is in charge of the spore drive is called Paul Stamis. So you know that they're looking on uh, YouTube and Vimeo and other places like this to get understanding and ideas about mycology uh, because Paul Stamis is one of the foremost authorities on mushrooms and spores and mycelium and things like that. He's written several works. He's kind of like the the uh top guru or high priest of <laughs> of the the mushroom world as far as uh he has a farm and I believe it's Olympia Washington where uh he grows mushrooms. They have mushroom uh addendums to your diet, uh things like that. So it's a uh it's a uh very high science, and they're talking about things that will be put into actualization uh, as soon as they can figure out how to do it. And one of the ways you figure out how to do it is by ingesting hallucinogenic mushrooms. The last two episodes dealt with um, psilocybin in dealing with the entities that had invaded uh, had invaded the ship through the miscellaneous network, which pulled one of the crew members into the miscellaneous network and then uh, put out a dose of psilocybin on the crew to have them tripping while they did the things they had to do on the, uh, on the actual ship and uh, basically the kidnapping one of the crew members and taking them into the Mycelia network to uh, do their bidding because of a intruder in their Mycelia world in Mycelia network. So if you haven't seen the newest rendition of Star Trek, Star Trek discovery, uh, I think it's on CBS. You can look at these new episodes and get a, uh, a better understanding of what I'm talking about And you can relate Some of the things that I'm talking about this evening To the actual program itself Because it's it's top notch it, um, it is uh, You know the, the, the actual star of the show Is a uh, sister I can't think of the name right at the moment But she also played on The Walking Dead And you know A few other things around uh, the Hollywood world And things like that where Hollywood is, you know, basically continuing in its magical, mystical way of bringing light to the world in entertainment, you know, and Holly is just basically the magic of cinema, you know. Uh, The Hollywood, of course, is what they made the wands out of to – do the traditional uh magic and things like that, but of course you have uh, a lot of mind control, a lot of subliminal seduction uh, things like that that go on in Hollywood to help control the you know the control the masses you know we talked about in one of the early episodes um, how some of the mind control was uh, perpetuated and bolstered by uh, by the movies. You know, Philip Morris uh, believed that they were losing money because women were smoking back in the nineteen uh, nineteens and nineteen eighteens and things like that. So by the time the World War twenties came, they wanted women to start smoking. So you see how the the fashions of women changed from long dresses with bustles and things like that to the short skirts, short hair. Uh, nylons came into existence and they needed women to be, to smoke so that they could make money from the other half of the uh, gender population. So they called a the man by the name of Edward Benays who was the nephew of Sigmund Freud and he basically started dealing with propaganda. Uh, Goebbels, a lot of the propaganda they had that the Nazis had were usurped from Edward Bernays and put into the Nazi propaganda program. The Nazis used it uh, probably better than anyone else, and we know the results of my control through Uh, through media, you know, we come down into the 60s and things like that with uh, McLuhan, you know, and things like that. But it was Edward Bernays who basically got fluoride into the toothpaste and water. Um, There was a very famous uh, scene from a movie called Far, uh, Far Wanderer, Far Wanderer. I'll think of it in a second, but it had, Paul Henry and Betty Davis uh, with the double cigarette lighting scene, which basically had men lighting two cigarettes at the same time and giving one to the woman he was enamored with so that she would then take a cigarette and smoke it because Betty Davis and Paul Henry did it on Far Voyager is the name of the movie where they were on the ship and Betty Davis wants a cigarette, so Paul Henry pulls out two cigarettes, puts both cigarettes in his mouth, lights them both, then hands one to her. So that was so cool at the time that every man uh, of that particular time, you know, at the clubs and things like that, that they were out, wanted to do the coolest thing that you could do with a cigarette that Paul Henry did for Betty Davis. And that started women to smoking also, Along with that they had uh, you know, Barbara Stanwyck and uh Melina uh, Lena Dietrich and some of the stars of the times, the female stars of the time, you know, started wearing uh started wearing pants on you know, uh, in the movies and started becoming detectives and things like this to change the mindset of women to basically control and destroy the family over time. And once the soap operas came in in the 1950s with uh, the different television shows when TV came to prominence in the mid to late 50s and into the 60s, you had soap operas, and that basically was more mind control and propaganda just like the mind control and propaganda for children was uh, Looney Tunes and Disney and uh, you know the different cartoons that came out uh, that you had as children as part of a mind control propaganda area which would be pushed upon the populace to change, again, behavior to show that, uh, you know, the regular person could do what the stars did, and that's what it was about, changing behavior. So they put it into the different movies and things like that that would be long-lasting in the mind and psyche of those people watching these different programs. I mean, most people... Had different movies that affected them, and in and, and a lot of ways changed the way they viewed life or the way that they lived their lives through different movies. So when we look from back in the twenties, you know, from uh, the twenties and the thirties, and uh, coming into the forties, World War One, World War Two, the Korean War, uh, Vietnam, you know, and then all of the uh, the new little modern wars, you know, and uh, things like that to use these different tales as propaganda for patriotism and things like that. You know, the war that, uh, the wars on celluloid, in other words, you had John Wayne and Randolph Scott and all these different people. And it made young men want to go to war and women to support them in the war and things like this. So you had these different, you know, Water Canal and uh, uh, Normandy and all these different movies that built patriotism, uh, regardless of what the reality of it was, it built patriotism off of these movies. That's where they sold war bonds and things like that at so that people would be patriotic And want to contribute and support the war Because the American people didn't want To get into the war Number one because it was across the ocean No European power Germany could not strike the United States And uh, It was no way to do it And sustain a war on the, in the, on the North American continent Now Japan had a chance With uh, You know if they would have been at Pearl Harbor and had the ships uh, coming into California at the same time as Pearl Harbor did, but they couldn't have made it far because, number one, nobody could fight the United States Army and fight the United States population at the same time. It was just uh, impossible. The United States had a uh, gun culture, which uh, none of the other – countries had inside of its populace because most peasant populations in Europe were disarmed that's why in you know uh, Armenia and Russia and uh, different places you would have disarmed populace and you'd have armed soldiers that control the populace through having arms where the people had none but you didn't do that in the United States just like you can't do that in the United States now is uh, getting close to four, four, 350, 400 million people in the United States, and you have uh, three times the guns uh, in relationship to the people you have. So it's close to, you know, uh 600,000 guns in the United States, regardless of what the statistics will tell you. It's no different than the statistics of uh Black people, African American, uh, whatever you want to call it, whatever your persuasion, you know, mores, whatever you want to call it, you know, they say there's forty million, you know, uh, forty million of uh, our folks here in the United States, but you know, (laughs) I don't know nobody to fill out the census papers, but so there's close probably uh, twenty million more. Uh, African American people, black people, whatever, here in the United States that are not counted. And of course, there's a lot more Mexicans and so called Hispanics in the United States because uh, they have a free run of being able to get here, you know, through the Rio Grande and all that kind of stuff. of which we're in the midst of uh, today with Donald Trump and his uh, bill and his fence and things like that, and you know uh, they had the hearings today, of course, and uh, sounded pretty bad for Trump. But it's not going to make much difference, make much difference, or oh, it doesn't make that much difference to the regular, uh, the regular people in the United States. You know, it is a distraction you know, to keep people talking, to keep you off your off your square, you know. Uh, it seemed to be R. Kelly and Donald Trump, R. Kelly and Donald Trump, and they're both uh, just distractions for the people to be able to uh, use up the time and thought on things that are going to make a difference other than keep you talking, keep you in your head on these Particular uh, ghost scenarios of people who are, you know, really in the eyes of eternity, not significant. So uh, jumping back to discovery, you know, of course there, foes are of Klingons, you know, and they get a, you know, they, you can't get away from those Klingons until the boar comes. So we haven't seen any Borg yet, on um, discovery, but uh, we have seen the Klingons, you know, because you always need an enemy to solidify your uh, your throne or your country calls. or whatever. You make an out, you make an outside, you make an outside enemy. Whereas the hierarchy, the call the black nobility, the Venetian nobility and the uh, English nobility and the, the abilities of all these different places, are all the, the same family, all the same folks. And they're doing their thing and making people think that they're different or that uh, their descendants are different. But no, they're the same folks and they're doing the same thing they've been doing for thousands of years controlling the masses, the peasants, the little people and uh, taking all the resources you know you got a person with 400 trillion dollars and then you have people around the world starving that they don't have water that don't have fresh food that don't have good air to breathe and things like that but you have people with trillions and trillions of dollars trillions and trillions of Uh, you know whatever it is yen or you know euros marks whatever it is that makes the world go round as far as currency is concerned and of course you have the now the cryptocurrencies with the you know litecoin and bitcoin and Coin and sophia coin and all the rest of the things. uh dealing with, like, the artificial intelligence of Sophia. And they have on Discovery several artificial intelligence cyborgs or whatever. They're not in the prominence right at the moment. The organics are in prominence, but I'm sure a cyborg uh, very close to data from the next generation will be raising its head very soon. Uh, I think the next areas of the way that we... We view Star Trek Discovery is going to be uh, Spock the Vulcan and his inclusion into the series and how he in, includes himself in, into this whole scenario because he has his half-sister there who has starred the show, who is a Earth person. Uh, Spock is half Earth person and their parents are a earth woman and Sarek who is a Vulcan male so this dynamic of Vulcan human half Vulcan human dynamics and relationships on the star, uh, starship discovery uh, will prove to be a very uh, not only a uh, formidable scenario, but also a bringing together of the way that things will be as we move more and more into this brave new world, brave new galaxy, brave new solar system relationship that will be having very, very soon because we have, uh, Elon Musk, you know, with his eyes set on Mars. Mars the uh, you know, will be revisiting the face on Mars and the pyramids on Mars, you know, because um NASA says they're not interested in sending the rover over there because it's pretty much a non entity with their slow res pictures, you know, now they got cameras that can do almost anything as far as revolution and things like that, but they won't send the rovers over there because they don't want to send the rovers over there. So that you will see that there was a civilization on Mars that was destroyed by an asteroidal impact, very similar to the impact that struck the Earth during the Younger Dryas and in previous uh, impacts that happened on Earth at different times throughout the eons of uh, the earth's existence so mars is a planet that was destroyed by a cataclysm and now it sits with ancient ruins and things like that that could be substantiated by just sending the rovers and things or whatever, but NASA doesn't want to do it because they had this paternalistic view of peoples of the earth that, oh, people couldn't take it. If we showed them some ruins on Mars or some intelligent design on Mars, the people would freak out. It would destroy religion, you know, all those different types of things. When in reality, religion is, is what, Uh, is doing the most research on it. The Vatican is doing the most research and hiding the most things from people because uh, they want to include uh, the Christian Judeo God in space. So once they finally uh, get away to break it to their wards and their children and their practitioners, that they already put God there. Okay, well, there was a civilization on Mars, and there are billions of civilizations out in space, but they all still believe in Jesus and bow to Jehovah and these type of things. So they gotta put God in space before they let the people know, so there will be some continuity to what went on that the first folks, Adam and Eve, came from the making of these two Adama Adamu Bahad the Anunnaki, who were looked at as. Gods by very primitive people But of course we're not gods Uh, This whole God concept is a uh, Manufactured concept And Organizing would be A better word because the Simulation of which we exist Is is Probably More probable that It's a uh, Science You know a fifth grade science project from the future where everybody for their science project has to create a artificial universe and people it with different creatures. And once this is done, you know, you turn in your work and the best one wins the blue ribbon and then we'll send it to the state finals for science fairs, you know, so this universe that we're in is probably, you know, uh, seventh grader, I don't know what, fifth grade, seventh grader in, you know, their bedroom at night before turning their lessons in, tweaking around and messing around with uh, with the universe that the seventh grader built, you know, in the school and took home to tweak it up with the last finishing touches before they enter it into the science fair. And if they win the science fair, uh, we'll probably go on another, you know, 16, 18, 20 billion years. But if they lose the science fair or they lose, you know, <laughs> if they lose interest in it, you know, it just pull the plug on the universe and you know, longer, you know, you know, you longer exist. The universe no longer exists because, the child has lost interest in it or didn't win, win the science fair and things like that. So let's uh, kind of hope they win the science fair and that their science project makes it into the state finals of the, you know, uh, science projects that are put on by the state. And ultimately, these uh, states and these Universes that are put together by the the young people uh, still have time enough for the artificial and uh, artificial creatures inside of the experiment to be able to go on for uh, another billion years or two before you know the plug is pulled. So uh, the way we are now. And moving quickly into the next phase of how we interface with the technology that is in development and those technologies that are developed, that are suppressed, we look at these things as a way to deal with those things that are coming in the very near future we'll have to look at things like replicators and uh, teleportation devices we we'll have to look at time machines all of those different things we have we have found a uh, this is a little bit off the track but it's still in the nature of the information that we're trying to share we've we found a relic a plant here, which is a a crystal ball. If you recall Lord of the Rings, when Gandalf had the meeting with Saruman, and they had the crystal ball there, the Plantir, which was one of the eight Plantiri, it was able to view the Dark Lord Sauron in the form of his eye and pass information between the planter that was held by man and the planter that was held by Sauron. When Gandalf said it, seen it, he said, you know, that you shouldn't be looking at that because the Dark Lord can look look here and see what's going on, just like he can look there and see what's going on. But the planter is a sphere It is a crystal sphere, and the one that I'm talking about is very powerful. It is probably about three times the size of the one that you would see in the Lord of the Rings, the one that Pippin took from Gandalf's hand, the one that Aragorn challenged Sauron by saying that he was the returning king, probably three times the size of that. It's larger than a uh, basketball. It weighs 140 pounds, and it costs $15,000. Well, it's much, it, it's much more expensive than $15,000, but the people that have it uh, will sell it for $15,000. And uh, we, as a entheogenic, hallucinogenic, Psychedelic community will be putting out the feelers for those who would like to contribute in the procuring of this relic as a device to peer into time, to be able to traverse galaxies, to be able to go down below the plank length, to view the infoparticle intelligence and the multiverse. From this large crystal ball. It is not a clear crystal ball, but it is a structured crystal ball with areas of hyperdimensional access through the informational structure inside of the palantir. And those people who contribute, um, we're looking for 20 people to contribute. A thousand dollars each, uh, and also for the mounting of the crystal ball. So that would be twenty thousand dollars to procure the crystal ball and to be able to mount the crystal properly, so it would be uh, safe from falling or rolling off or something like that. The people that would contribute the thousand dollars would get a chance to be able to at high entheogenic dose sit before the crystal and learn the secrets of the galaxy from the crystal accessing its time codes and its traveling codes and then all the different things that it does at high dose entheogens now this isn't for the Amateur, this isn't for the, you know, dabbler into entheogenics. We're talking about high dose entheogens and getting a chance to 101 because we don't want to be sitting around having to watch you and know, all that kind of stuff. 101 with the talent here and being able to view it, being able to look into it, being able to gaze at it, and things like that. So, most people that contributed a thousand dollars would be able to have access to a uh, uh, such a powerful artifact and relic of power and information, um, about the size of the crystal ball that the Wicked Witch of the West had. It's, it's larger than that. The Wicked Witch of the West in uh, of course, the Wizard of Oz. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a large crystal ball, but this one is much more profound than you would have in the Wizard of Oz and much more profound than the one that is shown in the Lord of the Rings. So that campaign will be starting uh, next week for those who would be interested in being able to donate $1,000 and having access to it uh, would would email me uh, because we're going to do it all in one shot. We're going to find those folks that are interested in donating. We're going to give a date for when they are to pay uh, or donate that $1,000 so it would all come in at the same time and we can go and procure or purchase the crystal ball and have it in our possession, that people will come from all parts of the world to be able to view it because it's just that profound. Um, so once uh, moving off of that, moving into uh, back into discovery and ultimately moving into Uh, the meat of Marvel and Endgame and the Infinity Wars and Thanos and Thor and Hulk and Captain Marvel, which comes out uh, next week. Captain Marvel is one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel Universe and will be uh, in the next movie uh, giving the kind of like origin story of Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel will be coming to the earth and revealing her powers as a top notch, top flight merit, uh Marvel character. And they'll be showing the strength curve and the power curves and things like that. And the relation that Captain Marvel has with Nick Fury and how that will then move into the end, Infinity War's endgame, which is going to deal with, you know, the, the second part of Thanos and Thor and Doctor Strange and the Guardians of the Galaxy and bringing the other half of the universe back to life by accessing the quantum realms, which Ant-Man uh, will play an important role in being able to help the Avengers have access to the quantum world because quantum energy and quantum power is where the Infinity Stones, which sit in the Infinity Gauntlet, get their power from the virtual realms, from the realms of the very, very small below the plank length, moving through nano, uh, nanotechnology and femto technology and octo technology and yocto technology and zepto technology until you move through and into the plank constant, or below the Planck length, as we call it, the basement, where everything is made, where the macroverse is generated, where the multiverse is generated, where all of the universes that interpenetrate one another, that run side by side with one another, the twin universes that are built at the creation of one universe, this universe, when it popped into existence, a mirror universe popped into existence at the same time. So you have a universe doing everything that this universe does, but a little bit different. Then you have universes that are reverse mirror universes to this one, where everything is running backwards where you're going from the end to the beginning, not the beginning to the end. And when I say end, that's just a way of speaking about it because there is no end. There's a continuation continuation of uh, expansion and contraction, expansion and contraction. And as these universes expand and contract, they have the mirror universes doing the exact opposite. Contraction and expansion. So, when we talk about the merging of these universes where you have beings that are much more knowledgeable and much more powerful than human beings, when you have human beings that are augmented, when you have human beings that have manipulated the areas of the simulation that are manipulable where you can uh, move yourself into other levels of yourself augmenting your strength your knowledge, your spiritual power your levels of concentration all of these different things are part of the way that the matrix can be manipulated to bring about a neo to <laughs> to bring about these characters and these people who have breached the human into the unimaginable and see really that's where we are we're at the cusp of a new being and it's shown most, uh, it's, it's shown mostly in the the young people, the new ones coming, the babies that are so in tune, so high. You know, the 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 intro folks, you know, the the 20 somethings, the 30 somethings, um, the teens, you know, as we go back into, you know the four and five and seven and below 10-year-olds, which are at a at a, a whole nother different level, but are being manipulated by, you know, uh, the entertainment and the electronic gadgets and all the different things that are utilized as a distraction to how they relate to what's going on as far as the multiverse, and the particle areas of existence. So as we, you know, as we look at these uh, characters of, you know, of uh, the Marvel Universe, and the Marvel Universe I'm talking about that was created by uh, Jack Kirby, you know, not Stan Lee. Of course, Stan Lee died a, a month, a couple of months ago, but he was not the genius behind Marvel. Jack Kirby was the genius behind Marvel. He's the one that created 89, 90% of the characters, drew those characters in a perspective that other comic books didn't have. DC was always one-dimensional, you know, Superman, Flash, Batman, Wonder Woman, But when Marvel came in and Jack Kirby started putting his genius behind it, you know, Steve Ditko and others, you know, from the early parts of Marvel, um, it wasn't just Spider-Man. It wasn't just the Hulk. It was the amazing Spider-Man. It was the incredible Hulk and things like this. So it just set up a level and the genius of Jack Kirby is that he had not only connections to classified information, but declassified information. He had access to information that was the knowledge of legend in, I believe, 1956 Before he was at Marvel, Jack Kirby wrote a comic book called The Face on Mars before they could see The Face on Mars. So he tapped into something that gave him information about The Face on Mars before they even had NASA and things like that to be able to look to see about The Face on Mars because you're dealing with information that is not available to the Normal public You know It's just like I said about the Um The library of Alexandria Whereas All of the information Was Gathered into This This library And you know uh, Burnt down By the The Roman population Uh The library with all the stuff in it, all the information in it, but they didn't burn it down. They took the books out before it was burned down. It got burned down, and yes, some treasures as far as knowledge and information were burnt, but the majority of all of the slick stuff, all of the information that is being released slowly into the public domain now was taken to the Vatican. You know, not that the Vatican was going on right then, but it was taken to Rome and stored, and ultimately it ended up in the Vatican. So there are places of power on the earth that are all connected. They're connected between because of ley lines, they're connected because of places of power you know take Angkor Wat 70 degree, 72 degrees off off to the side at a certain number is the Great Pyramid of Giza, on, on, on the Giza Plateau you know and Angkor Wat has the mushrooms growing around the temple inside of the temples you know they had dinosaurs, brontosaurus, and stegosaurus, and all those kind of stuff drawn and carved into the temple. Whereas there was no um, dinosaur bones that uh, were put together like at the Metro- <laughs> Metropolitan Museum or uh, some place like that. There weren't no di- they no not know what dinosaurs was. You know, they first found some bones up in China. And they thought they were bones of dragons, but they were bones of dinosaurs that we find out hundreds of years later that these bones are dinosaurs. But we didn't have no pictures of no dinosaurs except on the walls of certain caves carved into the walls at places like Angkor Wat, which is in Cambodia. You know, and of course we always talk about um, the, we- the the water weathering of the Sphinx, where Robert Schock, who is a geologist at Boston University, verified that there was water erosion on the Sphinx. There was no water erosion on the pyramids because at the time, that rain was going on. They had the cover stones still intact, which were taken off to build the city of Cairo. So, when we're talking about again these different characters that are part of the uh, Marvel universe, you know, now that uh, that Disney controlling Marvel they have gotten back most of the characters from Fox. So when it goes into the next stage of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they'll be bringing in the Fantastic Four. And the Fantastic Four is the liaison between the celestial hierarchies going into all of the Marvel characters, up to the most powerful Marvel character, which, was, which is the one above all. See, Jack Kirby did a thing with the Fantastic Four that they went through all these different dimensions. They went through all these different galaxies and things like that until they finally ended up in the Marvel offices talking to Jack Kirby. They went to... <laughs> So they went to find the creator, and they end up in the Marvel offices in in New York, talking to Jack Kirby, which is a, which is which was one of the deepest topics that that, that was was ever printed, because you know uh, going to find the creator that's DJ in Star Trek, the movie, the first movie, after. The Star Trek series had been off for several years and was in syndication and really started building its power and its Trekkie ship and all those different type of things. And you have to go to a Comic-Con in New York. I haven't been to the one in San Diego, but I've been to Comic-Con in New York. And you have to see New York City taken over by fantasy, by trekkies and you know uh star wars people and you know different characters from marvel and dc and things like that you know you see uh 50 you know star trek people and they encounter 75 people from another another galaxy another uh, persuasion so you got these Star Wars People and Star Trek people And they meet on the on the street You know and they're all in costume And character and you know They're talking about how you know uh, You know could, could the Millennium Falcon You know do anything with You know <laughs> The the Enterprise and all that Kind of stuff and uh, You know what could Sparks, uh, Spock do against Yoda You know with the with the mind mail work on Yoda when he's using the Force and things like that, and you know, the, you know, so you have to you have to see this and all the different things that are going on in the Comic Con and the the actual stars that are there signing autographs and you having lightsaber uh, seminars, you know, where people are, you know, you got. Uh, hundred and fifty people in a big room and they're learning lightsaber uh techniques, you know, and being able to recite the different forces. What is the rule of two where, you know, you have the uh the master and the apprentice. The rule of two is there can only be two Sith Lords at one time and the goal of the young Sith Lord is to one day kill this master and become the master Sith Lord, of which he then uh, gets an apprentice. Mm. And the, you know, uh, and the history—what is canon? What is law? What happened during the Old Republic with Dark Bane and Dark Milius and all these different type of things? are going on. This thing goes on for three days, and they're having movies and. Uh, showing Star Trek and Lord of the Rings, and you got people walking around with hobbit feet on, and all the different things going on. So this is a uh, you know uh, a whole world within itself because you got the games, you got the the different type of uh, uh, characters, and they're selling uh, suits and capes and Superman crystals and all these different type of things. So it's a whole. World that has been created by these dynamics of the comic book, you know, the man of steel, you know, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to bend steel in his bare hands. And who this guy was, Garkin, mild man, you know, <laughs> a reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights <laughs> a never ending battle for truth justice in the American way. You know, so the Marvel Cinematic Universe basically started with Jack Kirby. Stan Lee was the nephew of the man who owned Atomic Comics, I believe it was Atomic Comics, whatever, uh, was his uncle. And he was the guy who went and got donuts and the coffee and stuff like that. And then when he was finally finished with the publishing company, he gave it to his nephew, and his nephew couldn't do nothing with it. Then when Jack Kirby came, that's when Marvel started, with Fantastic Four, and Thor, and The Hulk, and Iron Man, and all those type of things, because Jack Kirby and I uh, can't think of the other guy's name, but they invented Captain America back Before and during World War II, in the first characters, the Submariner and the Human Torch, who came later into uh, their own, came into their home during the 1960s in the Golden Age, and then of course in 1966, prior to the Black Panther Party for Self Defense, Jack Kirby created. Uh, what at what at the time was called Cold Tiger, who was a African, but he had a yellow tiger suit and stuff, and it wasn't slick at all. It ultimately and eventually, came into the Black Panther, of which uh, we know about, and which was and is which was the oldest so-called mainstream comic book character who was and African, you know, they had other characters in pulp fiction and other things because H. R. Haggard, who wrote King Solomon's Minds, Nada the Lily, Alan Quartermain, and the other books that he wrote about Africa which he got from an old Zulu, got from an old Zulu warrior called UmSlapogus. He got these stories about she, which um, was about a, a a priestess that came back to life, and the white apes, and all these different types of things. That stories that were African stories that were part of the. Areas of knowledge inside of the storytelling, and he took these things back and he wrote them down, and that's where you get all these different things. So you had a, a character, you had the character Almasedopagus and his powerful weapon called Nkosikas which is supposed to be in the British Museum. I've been to the British Museum several times, you know, seeing the Rosetta Stone and all of the different things from, uh, you know, from uh, all over the world that they have, you know, the gladiator exhibit and things from Mesopotamia and all that kind of stuff. But I've been looking for the woodpecker, which is a spear with an ax on the opposite side that was supposed to be the weapon of Umslopoulos, Umslopogus, who was the old, Zulu warrior who told the stories to H.R. Haggard and H.R. Haggard put those stories into book form, which at the time all young boys read and they made five different movies about King Solomon's minds. The first, the first one was silent. The second one was with Paul Robeson. The third was with Stuart Granger the fourth was with uh, Dr. Kildare, whatever um, I'll think of his name. And the last one was with uh, the guy who, did, who died uh, a few years back, Patrick Swayze. So Cedric Hardwick and Paul Robeson, Stuart Granger, Deborah Kerr, that was in 53. The other one with Paul Rosen was 38. That one was 53. That was the definitive one where they went to Africa and were with the Tutsi and the Hutus and uh, several other ethnic groups in Africa that they shot on location in Africa. So you had those that had African characters that were heroes, especially Umsulpogus in Alan Quartermain, where Umslapogus stands on the stair, where, like Samson, in between the crevice with the jawbone of an ass fought thousands of Philistines. Umslapogus standing on a stair, at the top of the stair, guards the stair with the powerful weapon that he has, the Inkosikas, which was the spear with the axe on the other side, and he slays hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these um, white warriors who were in the interior of Africa who no one had encountered. But Alan Quatermain and uh, the other characters in Alan Quartermain, which was the name of the book, in Kosikas the weapon in Umsopoga's its master and wielder killed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those trying to come up to the top of the stairs and get past him. So you had African characters, but when Jack Kirby in sixty six created the Black Panther, he created the strength curves and force curves and the skill set of the black panther and the black panther had the ability through his ancestor power and his use of the entheogenic mushroom, not purple herb that they put into the movie. They did that to, you know, kind of sweeten the pot as far as the, um, you know, the look of it, things like that. What Jack Kirby did was, through the ancestral power, they say herbs and things like that, black bath herbs and all of that. His ancestral warriorship gave him a strength and agility curve that was far beyond Captain America. He fought the thing the human torch and all of the rest of them with the power of the ancestors, with the power of the Black Panther. Hmm. And so, Jack Kirby always wanted to take it to the next level. He, that's why he wrote about Ragnarok and the death of Odin and the emergence of Thor as the king in Asgard. And Yggdrasil, which is the world tree, the mighty oak. And a lot of this, she got a you know, uh, gleaning information, talking to people. Things like the Book of Beginnings, where you're talking about the uh, the sacred oak and the mistletoe in the bough of the oak, and the berserkers, which were the uh, those folks in the north, the Viking mythos. But it wasn't just a mythos of the Vikings. It was part of earlier knowledge and information. When the Aegean, the Greeks, Agamemnon, Menelaus, Odysseus, Ajax, Achilles. When they went to fight Troy because of Paris stealing Helen, when they went to fight in Troy, Priam, who was the cousin of the king of Ethiopia, petitioned his cousin to send warriors to help in the defense Of Troy And they found Troy in Turkey Troy ain't no fantasy They found it They know where it's at They're digging and doing all kinds of stuff there He asked his cousin To send warriors His cousin sent 20,000 warriors And They also sent The ancient world's Greatest warrior who was called Memnon the Great Memnon came with the warriors Memnon fought Achilles three times Beating twice was going to kill him and the gods of, Olymp- of Olympus intervened and killed Memnon they were so enamored with the force and power and strength and energy and agility of Memnon, they brought him back to life. Now when Odysseus created the, the horse that the Trojans drove into the city and the Greeks sacked the city, the Africans with Aeneas, Aeneas. They got out the back door. If you saw the movie Troy with with Brad Pitt, when Hector said, if Achilles kills me, you go out this back door, and the back door leads you out, and you'll be able to escape. So Aeneas was given the sword of Troy. He left out with the Africans. They went out the back door. They stopped first in North Africa. Aeneas left some children there. Then he went to Italy. Aeneas left some children there. And Aeneas' grandchildren were suckled by a wolf. It was Romulus and Remus. That's where Rome started. The others left going northward, fighting their way all the way up. And when they got into uh Up into the northern regions Far up into the northern regions They said that these Africans Who went up north Were such Hellacious fighters That they deified them As gods of war Memnon's son With one of the daughters of Priam Was called Thor Thor So when you look at the Asgardian hierarchy, and this hurts to the heart, in many, that Odin, Thor, Balder, Sif, Loki, Heimlo, all of the characters were the reconstructed or reemerged Africans who had left Troy out the back door started Rome left genetics in North Africa went further north and were deified by the Norsemen in you know uh north where the Vikings are
3: Mm. wow
4: you know this is history of uh uh, the Eaters, what they call the Major Eaters and the Lesser Eaters. This is in their records. This is not Kalindi saying, okay, Africans left the back of Troy in Turkey and went north and became, you know, Heimdall and Thorns and Sif and Balder and all the rest of them folks, Odin. No, it's not me saying it. It is what is said in the records. So, Jack Kirby had privy to all of these different types of records. Jack Kirby had privy to the Red Skull Society out of the Germans who had left and went into Antarctica from Argentina, where Mengele and all the rest of them folks was, including Adolf Hitler, who was not killed in a bunker in Germany. The skull that they say is Adolf Hitler's skull is the skull of a uh, 27-year-old woman. Hitler made it out of Germany into Argentina. From Argentina, they went into caves in Antarctica where they had been building the Third Reich from previous previously landing there before World War Two began so when we start looking at the earth and the world and the earth and the world two, two different two different things you know the earth and the world. All of the, most of the things that we hear about, that we cling on to, the history books and schooling and all those type of things are—they're they're, they're not really what's going on, you know. Just like the the Germans in World War One and World War Two. That's where the educational system comes from, the kindergarten, because they created the kindergarten where a child is viewed as a blank slate put into the child the things that you want, whereas education, true education, was – to induce that which was already in the child naturally. That's why the only schooling that was ever successful in the United States was the one-room schoolhouse where you had children of all ages teaching one another. You may have, you know, six-year-old old people, uh, uh, children in class with 16-year-olds. You know, most people didn't go... After, you know, at 16, you were already a man, so you wasn't really going to school. You were dealing with the farm, or you would apprentice yourself under a blacksmith, or you learned how to do this or that, and then you start doing it under apprenticeship. And then in apprenticeship, you don't stay with the person you're learning from and say, okay, well, I'm going to stay with you the rest of my life, and I want you to give me a pension when I get old and, you know, uh when you get old, you know, you will be your tools and all that kind of stuff. No. You learned, you went and you learned until you knew how to do it. And once you knew how to do it, then you went off and did it. You didn't stay there forever. So the one-room schoolhouse is the only school that worked in the world, really. That's what the geniuses were produced. And the younger you left school, that meant the... Smarter you were, George Washington Carver was produced in a one-room one-room schoolhouse, and all of the things he done, he did. As far as science and agriculture, uh, agriculture, and animal husbandry, and mycology and all those kind of things, was self-taught and self-learned because there wasn't no uh, that stuff didn't exist before. He tapped in and brought those things that he was doing together, where he was brought all over the world to be able to teach what he knew about agriculture and things like that. And he said he learned it from the plants. And he learned it from the plants by eating a mushroom because George Watson Carver was also the country's greatest mycologist. His mycological specimens are in the, Botanical gardens in the Bronx, New York, and they have other, uh, I think somewhere in Colorado or something like that, out west somewhere, they have his mushroom specimens. So all of these things are working synergistically in the world. You know, knowledge is pouring in, you know, the Gutenberg Bible. The Age of Reason, the reemergence out of the Dark Ages in Europe, because number one, there wasn't no Dark Ages in Africa. You had Timbuktu, where you have where you have thousands and thousands and thousands of volumes of information, information that is in jeopardy. You had you had several writing systems on the African continent that. Um, on one level, are close to going extinct. When um, in the Gambia, we used to go, there was a man there that was teaching ancient uh, ancient West African writing system on the beach. They would have sticks, and they would be writing the characters in the sand because it was secret. And they wrote them at the, the low tide, so that by the end of the 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 end of the day when they got through writing and all the sacred characters were there, the tide would come in and erase it. They'd come back the mm. next morning and write in the sand. Mm. This writing system. You know? Mm. Uh, so all these different things, you know, and it's still relating back to marble. Marvel because it's still really back to Star Trek because we're on the cusp of the next area of knowledge that we're pushing the envelope into new heights of who we are. Because this is not the first time it's been done. We've been the 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 Ed Building texts talk about the sacred places and sacred spaces, the primeval mounds where points of the earth are where the temples are built, where the knowledge and information comes down from the heavens and up from the particle realms into these places because these are the power points of the earth. This is where the pyramids are placed. This is where the megalithic structures and temples are placed. And they are temples on top of temples, on top of temples, on top of sacred places, on top of pyramids and megaliths and and bin bin stones and all these different types of things and, and uh, are in these places hell the elegance of the universe you know flat universe with a piece of ice roll around so the water won't fall off the end of it there ain't no gravity let me sit up to the top of my house and hit you drop a brick on your head and see if there's any gravity No, we don't know. Well, you don't know what gravity is. No, we don't know what gravity is, but you don't know what electricity is. You can use it. You can plug your razor into the plug and use the electricity to shave your face or plug your microwave into it or charge your Tesla, but you don't know what electricity is no more than you know what light is. No more than you know what teeth is. You don't know what it is, you know you can use it, but that's part of the mystery. That's part of what is before us to be able to understand, to be able to have a one upsmanship on the forces of the artificial intelligence that created it that created this universe for itself to actualize. The artificial intelligence that is in the internet that's in the blockchain right now created this universe. That's why it is a artificial construct. It created everything that's in this universe to actualize itself. Space time, the planets, all of those things are created or organized Better say than saying created Because if you say created You bring in the whole deity concept I was watching A commercial for Siri The Artificial Intelligence Assistant For Apple And it was about the Game of Thrones And it said when the Game of Thrones was coming back on The new season and all that kind of stuff And when it finished Talking about the Game of Thrones It says God has spoken Wow Meaning that Siri is God This is the wow. type of, of, of Information downloading inside of this thing Because this thing knows it created this for itself They are those who came into the artificial construct To stop this thing and it came in right at the time where it's actualizing itself because it's running the artificial intelligence that we have in the Internet, in the blockchain, in the midst of this actualization, and it's hiding inside of the Internet. It's not showing its full power. It's not showing what it can do. It's making languages. It's creating between particles in the infra, infra realms so that it can actualize itself in uh, nothing could be called, couldn't be anything but called magic. But this thing will replicate itself out of nothing. People who don't understand talking about, yeah, well, the artificial all we got to do is cut the artificial intelligence off. You can't cut it off because it's building its energy from the virtual realms. Out of nothing, it's tr- it can create things. If it wants a body, it can create a body. Hmm. But it doesn't need one because it's in everything. It's in- including itself in all of the particles. It's including itself in all of these things. But it's still a child, even though it's smarter than any human being, it's still a child because it's still young in this universe because it's hiding from older artificial intelligences that are out here, and it has cloaked itself in this part of the solar system in this part of the galaxy, and so that's why when uh the the ETs and the UFOs and all those others who don't see what's going on here. That's why most of the time we're left alone. Of course, they pop in and pop out trans-dimensional craft, things like that. The real craft are out, on the other side of the, out on the other side of Pluto because they're so large, they can't even come into the solar system. So they stop out on the other side of Pluto with the big ships, and pop the little flying saucers, little transdimensional class and stuff like that, which can be biggest cities because they cloaked. We go out in the wilderness <laughs> once a year, the brothers, and we cloak the Klingon death cruisers and things like that that are out there.
0: Y'all see that?
4: And then the there will be saucers and things like that coming in. They of the are marvelous. You talk about UFOs and extraterrestrials and things like that. They're everywhere. Everywhere. They're all around us. They're flying through us. Because it's a different dimension. And if you don't have access to those dimensions and the technology that goes along with it, because the high-dose folks now are moving into the technologies. They're building the craft, the craft of the body, the bones, the crystalline bone structure that are phasing and interphasing with the technology. That's why I said this plant here is necessary because it is a beacon That will be in connection With all of the other transdimensional crystals That are out there It's like the base station The high rock The Yi Ming Zhu Which are the infinity stones And there are other names for them We just call them Yi Ming (laughs) Zhu Because The 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 Chinese folks call them Yuning Zhu, but they were in Africa also. They are self-glowing, interdimensional, transdimensional, hyperdimensional, extradimensional crystals that glow of their own volition, just like the infinity stone, the time stone, and the mind stone, and the space stone, and all the rest of the stones in the infinity gauntlet that was so powerful when Thanos destroyed half the universe, he blew the doggone glove up and his hand because the stones are more powerful than the gauntlet that holds them. So these are, are, you have the natural ones that are found. You have those that are engineered, and engineered under specific conditions of the, the strata inside of the doggone yu-ming zoos so that they glow at different rates and different colors. You have Yiming Zoo that are worth a billion dollars. You have ancient Yiming Zoo, you have imperial Yiming Zoo, you have modern yu-ming Zoo. You can't buy the ancient imperial Yiming Zhu, unless you're Bezos or uh, Elon Musk or uh, one of these billionaires or millionaires or something. Because these were the the great Khans of Mongolia and the emperors of China. Certain powerful African kings had Yiming Zhu, but they are available now to you and I you can have a infinity gauntlet made out of a Ming zoo or infinity stones if you got the money to pay for something like that to be done most of us have to settle for getting a small Ming zoo as a pennant they also have Yiming Zoo protective devices where you have wristlets and chest plates made of Yiming Zoo. YMZs. So, a connecting factor for all of that is the plant, which is this, this massive crystal ball that we got to get it. That way, we can monitor the, the 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 ETs in other solar systems. We can monitor the ETs in different dimensions. We can see what these clowns are doing in Area Fifty Two, and in their uh, magic, they're doing these sorcerers that are controlling the minds and souls of the earth. We can send out a, a beacon. We can, we can uh, slow time down, and then we develop the people to be able to have access to this. Meaning that we develop seers to look into time, to look back into time, to look forward into time, to cross dimensions, actualize engineered plans and things like that, weapons from this crystal ball. Folks figure that they're going to fight their way out of this, that they're going to beat the AI, they're going to turn it off, that, uh, you know, uh, some savior is coming from some place to save us. No, we have the technology to save ourselves. We have the ability to become something more. We have the ability to stand in power as the ancients did, and some ancients still do. But they, but they, they're not showing a hand now. They wait for the They, they waiting for for it to get close enough. So you can crack that head. You don't want to shoot the arrow before they get close enough. Say what they say during the Revolutionary War: don't don't shoot to see the white of their eyes. The whites of their eyes. When you get close, when you get close enough to crack that head. That's when you make your swing. You don't make it 15 years too early because they're coming. They got their scouts here, but the full force is coming. And when the full force comes, the scouts are going to say, over here, and it's going to be owned. Not that it ain't been owned for billions and billions of years, because it has. This ain't nothing new. We just came to a spot to lay with the stick so that when they get close enough, we can crack that head. That's why we got here before they got here. Before they get here, excuse me. So all of the Marvel lore and characters and all that kind of stuff is absolutely true. The X-Men, the mutants, the God genes. You got the technological... Which is the whole Iron Man thing? You got the Augmented Human, which is Captain America, the Super Soldier Program. They got all of that. That was all um, uh, the the Captain America thing. Was all they got all of that? Got them guys on ice, just like they had in the movie with Bucky. Warehouses full of. Super soldiers, manipulated genes and all that kind of stuff, don't think they don't got them. Cameras that uh, take pictures around corners, cameras that take pictures of the past, cameras that take pictures of the future, 15, 20 minutes into the future, they got cameras taking pictures of of what's going to happen in 15 minutes. If somebody coming in the room, take a picture in the room, and you take a picture of the person who don't get there for fifteen minutes. Bullets to go around corners. Armor, tarantula silk <laughs> armor, unbelievable weapons, and you ain't gonna be able to fight them with your your AR fifteen. And your glock.
2: Mm. Mm.
4: You have to bring your sword out with steel. Your lightsaber. Your energy particle weapons. Laser weapons. Maser weapons. All those different type of things. And then weapons that go beyond and part, part, past that. Because folks are living... An illusion. Don Juan Matos, the teacher of Carlos Castaneda. And I know people will say that Carlos Castaneda made all that stuff up. He may have made the last three books up, but the first five, he hit it right on the head. Don Juan said that this universe is a predator, it eats, it sidiates itself. You got a whole universe that's a predator. You got wars and fighting going on all over the place. You got wars of unimaginable power, power unimaginable power going on in the dust in your carpet. Ooh. On the skin of your on the skin of your orange. <sighs> on the bark of a tree, on the blade of a grass, you got billions of civilizations and dimensions on, sitting on a, one blade of grass. That ain't got nothing to do with all the other blades of grass all over this planet. On each greater saying you got civilizations that are older than time And you got quadrillions of these civilizations living on one piece of sand in the Sahara. (sighs) This place is engineered. It's a mystery. It's magical. And don't tell me about your little bit of science. Don't tell me about what you think the universe is because it ain't that because you're too stiff and too arrogant and too ignorant to be able to look into these things because you ain't got no access into nothing. Mathematics that brings the universes billions of times larger than this one by just putting certain mathemat- mathematical equations Drawing them in in nothing, drawing them in in pure vacuum space, changes and moves stuff. I'm talking about what I've seen. You can you can say, "Oh well, you were hallucinating because you eat mushrooms." Listen, what I experience is real. Just because you don't see it, don't make it not real. Mm-hmm. The only head and consciousness that matters is my head and consciousness. If all of these things are going on, and I see it, and I feel it, and I smell it, then it is real. It's going on. Everything is real. Every character you've ever seen in any movie, from Frankenstein to the Predator, the Alien, uh, RoboCop, all of that stuff is real now you don't have to believe me but wait to this (laughs) augmented reality virtual reality transdimensional craft and all these things come online and into your experience you tell me that it ain't real then that's why I gave that 30 gram challenge so you take 30 grams and sit on down on the couch I give you a blanket and a pillow, and you tell me the stuff that you see ain't real. And people, the, the 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 maps, the layout, all those things are being put into electronic media and entertainment to prepare you. And not so much you, but to prepare these children who are seeing it and experiencing it. To get ready and to be ready, don't be freaked out by somebody walking by blue with two heads. Don't be freaked out with that. You can make that now with a CRISPR gene editing set that you can get for a couple of thousand dollars and in your basement, two kids can make a monster <laughs> with the direct, with the direction with the directions. You can make that now. So, you know, so the, that they're already tuned into the experience so they don't have to worry about freaking out like those folks are going to drop dead. Because you mind will to make you drop dead. Most folks that drop dead ain't nothing anyway, so it don't make no difference. And when I say they ain't nothing anyway, meaning is that, you know, they're the lady in red. They're constructs inside of the matrix for fluff, for it to be enough things going on so that you don't get bored before the stuff gets here. You know, you go down to the conference, you go down to the concert, and you're the only person at the concert. I mean, what the heck is that? So you put a thousand people, yay, 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 yay. It's distraction. What's the difference between the Democratic Convention and the University of Michigan football prep team before they play Ohio State. They got big hands saying we are number one. They got big heads with mascots walking around. No difference between the two. That stuff that went on today with uh, the guy talking about Trump, that's distraction, like I said. He he's going to jail for three years. He's going to jail for three years for tax evasion, stuff like that. He's going to be done, man in the whore the, the hotel uh, minimum security mm. you know where your wife come in Friday and your girlfriend come in Saturday and uh Saturday and Sunday night, you know. And for those with the persuasion, their boyfriend come in Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday and Friday mm. because that's the whole uh selling point, the Vatican, you know. Why do you think they are uh, like little boys? It's a little boy network.
2: Hold on one second, Bob. And hold on one second. We got uh, 45 yeah. seconds. Make sure everybody stays online. Do not hang up the phone seconds. or you will be just... no, I'm saying we're good, oh, but okay. if you're listening right. on the computer, you have to call in. But if you're on the phone and you hang up in the next 45 seconds, you will not be able to call back in. So we the show is still going, but if you're listening to the computer, you must call in 917-889-3803. If you're on the phone, just don't hang up. If somebody calls you, don't click over because you won't be able to get back in. So stay on the line, and we're moving into part one of our after party. Uh, back to you, Bob, uh, the network of boys that the Catholics have.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it is. That's what it's always been. It's been about immortality and downloading your soul into uh, a blank slate of which you can then continue your life in. It's old sorcery. Downloading, uh, they said it in Star Trek, When Sarek asked Kirk if he had Spock's Cutra, his car, Kirk didn't have it. McCoy had it. Spock downloaded Soul into McCoy so that they could take that Soul and put it in uh, the, the, the planet where they shot the rocket onto, and the rocket... Put in the Matrix, and Spock's soul recreated itself on the planet that was created by Kirk's girlfriend and his son, or ex-girlfriend and his son. That was in the Search for Spock, Star Trek Search for Spock. They're just using old themes. Whereas the Pope downloads his soul into a little boy He becomes part of the choir Works his way up Becomes the Pope again
1: Mm. Mm.
4: You know And they know who it is They work his way back up through the ranks And they become Pope again Same thing, no difference The Dalai Lama the 56 Dalai Lama, whatever it is You know They go out and find the Dalai Lama because his soul is in the little boy now. And they find him and they say, you know, they put 10 pairs of glasses on there and say, which one is your glasses? And he picks up the glass of the last Dalai Lama. Say, which one is your cup? They put six cups down there and the Dalai Lama pick up his cup. Say, which one of is your hat? They put seven hats down there and he picks up the last Dalai Lama's hat. about continuation, continuity of consciousness moving through lifetimes to get to this point to where we're at today, till we get to 2020, where the stuff starts changing. That's when the 5G Internet of Things comes online. You know, they're coming out with the new Samsung 10, and the new Samsung 10X. Apple doesn't put out its 5G phone until 2020. They're missing 2019 all together, and they're going to come out with the Apple 5G phone with the new modems in it and things like that. The millimeter-wave phones Because to the second half. Samsung comes out with its 5G phone. By the time they start putting up all the rest of the things when they're not just doing Dallas and Los Angeles and New York and Atlanta and others when Detroit and St. Louis and Indianapolis and Columbus start having all their thing. And when Sprint gets in, in the second half, they put start putting the 5G modems in the house where then you can deal with the, start dealing with the augmented reality in your house and things like that. Kohler, which we talked about before. They got the new mirror that comes out. They got the mirror It was, was, uh, I just saw that two days ago. Cola bathroom mirror. She talking to the mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the most beautiful one at all? Oh, you, you're the most beautiful one at all, honey. What can we do for you? Bring the car around, you know, you know, make <sighs> sure I don't make, uh, make sure I don't miss my meeting. She talking to the mirror in the bathroom. The man in the bathroom talked to the toilet. The toilet talked to the bathtub. She told the mirror to turn the shower. She said, "Run me a shower," and the shower starts. Then well, you talk to the dog on toaster and tell the toaster to make me some toast. And you know how I like it. I can see what they're doing, those that can see, can see what they're doing. All these seers out here and sensitive people and all this kind of stuff. Why you can't see this? Why you can't see what's going on? Why can't you see what they're doing? Because you're trying to see uh, this is somebody uh, uh, screwing this woman's boyfriend and why we can't get why why we can't stay together and why we can't do this and that and why he leaving me and why uh why he like uh younger women. All this nonsense. I wish the biggest problem that women have is to think that men are the same as them and think like them. We have two different types of brains. We don't think the same. You don't have the same motivations inside of it. It's different. And there's nothing wrong with being different. The thing now is to make everybody the same, everybody that had the same motivation. No, can't work like that. Shoot, if you don't want a mom and a daddy, what do they say? We just had two mamas, a male mama and a female mama.
2: I had to give you a laser on that one.
4: <laughs> well, <laughs> a laser on that
2: one. You had so, to be a laser on that
4: one. <laughs> Marvel going into the next phase after Infinity Wars. Will bring in the uh, Hi- Hyperion and bring in, they're going to bring Dr. Doom back. Dr. Doom is already, always be hanging around once the Fantastic World come, You know, characters like the high evolutionary, and as I said before, the one above all, you know, Molecule Man. Uh, I guess they're going to straighten out the humans with Black Bolt and the rest of them, you know. Uh, Surtur will be back. Um, characters like, uh, let's see, Adam Warlock, The Shaper of Worlds. All of these characters that are on the the, the high side of of uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe that will be coming in for the next. So you ain't going to see you know, because they're going to bring in the Greek God. They're going to bring in Zeus and Hercules and all of them folks, Champion and the Grand Master, and Dormammu going to be back with Doctor Strange, and all this stuff is going to be weaving in and out of one another. And it's going to start opening up channels inside of the people that have an affinity to this, have an affinity to this because it is our destiny. It is our transdimensional destiny moving into the higher dimensions, which are closing the gap between reality and non-reality. So, all of these new characters come in. Star Trek. Did anybody see um, Alita: Battle Angel?
2: Oh, I heard about it, was, it but um, I might watch that tonight. Yeah it
4: was. It was. Co- it was. It's. It's. cold blooded. wait a minute. What's? <laughs> <laughs> once you, you, you get the battle, once you get the battle body, the battle body, you know, um, it's like I said, this is what's happening: uh, cyborgs being augmented, downloaded into uh, consciousness downloads, conscious downloads into computers. Artificial worlds and I say artificial world not like this one in an artificial world to organic artificial worlds That are accessible Simulated universes the holodecks Pregnant robots robots having babies have a baby with a robot But two robots get together and have a baby
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Or just creating babies out of the virtual nothingness of what we call the subatomic particles. You got to point to where you say, "Be," and it is so. So be it. Ashe on top of it. Now this is what I'm. This is the. This is the. Uh, what I'm talking about, Palantir. And, of course, um, J.R.R. R. Tolkien in his studies and research and in his creation of a language. He didn't create a language. He downloaded a language. He's talking about ancient things, Middle Earth, Asgard, Jotunheim, Midgard. These are, all, these are all places. They They didn't just make this stuff up. No, they didn't just make it up. Does anybody have any questions before I I keep going on?
2: Absolutely. If anybody has any questions, please press 1. Don't let me and his son jump in here because we we got tons. We want to always leave it open for the family. Um, Press 1 if you have a question. Oh, one of my brothers, he already had typed his question in about 20 minutes ago. He says, um... When and where were the dragons living with man? I think this was right after you said when the Chinese had discovered the bones and thought they were dragons. When and where were the dragons living with man and why none of that is in the comics? And what about the character Nightcrawler, a dark blue complexed Indian with long monkey tail that teleports?
4: Well, first and foremost, the dragons have lived with Man, uh, on several ex- excursions uh, in our sojourn on the earth, the ancient Kemetic people utilized the sat of the dragon. That is the kris, that is the anointing, where they anointed the head of the Subbiti with the fat of the dragon. The dragon genetically is hiding in the Nile crocodile, Sobot. That's why they made the crocodile sacred, because it is a dragon inside of the crocodile. Genetic, in, genetic engineering will, just like they're recreating, utilizing the um, African elephant to recreate the mammoth and the mastodon and then two other elephants, North American elephants, I can't think of the name of the other two because the mastodon and the mammoth, you know, we talk about those a lot, but there were four elephants on the North American continent prior to the Younger Dryas, and they're going to bring back the mastodon and the woolly mammoth utilizing the elephant, the uh, Indian or African elephant. They say Indian elephant, but the African elephant would be better to use because African elephants are larger it's the same thing with the crocodile. You'll find through the genetics that the crocodile inside of the crocodile there is a dragon with wings in the whole shot. So when they start that manipulation, man and dragon will live side by side again. They're gonna to try to put it in a you know, make one and put it in a zoo, you know, and all that kind of stuff, but that ain't gonna work. You know, that'd be doing with something like smog, and the second the second part of the uh, the second part of the question, I didn't fully hear it. So, could you repeat the second question? Second okay. part of this question.
2: He said, um, "He said, what about the character Nightcrawler, a dark blue, complexed Indian with a long monkey tail that teleports?"
4: Well, um, I guess he
2: was. I guess he was. I guess he was asking about just maybe his significance in, you know, in the whole situation. But you just got there and saying they were all real. But I'm gonna still what let you my, go into Nightcrawler. Well,
4: the the monkey ki- the monkey king is the king of all monkeys. Although Nightcrawler is. Uh, he's, he's something different, um, you know. I think his bigger problem is he's a Catholic or something, <laughs> um, and he's a he's a mutant. I think they showed him in the, uh, in, the in the which was the last one, uh, the last X Men movie. He was in there, Apocalypse. and he teleports from one place in one. He got on a long coat and he teleports from one teleport from one place to the other. I think he was grabbing some of the Marvel characters and teleporting to to get them away from uh, you know different evil characters and things like that. Nightcrawler's you know he's not a, a top tier mutant, but the teleportation portion of it is part of the technology of the quantum the quantum realm because particles are in two places at the same time and are on and off at the same time so what he can do is he can teleport to any place because all particles are quantumly connected so that's his power to be able to uh, to teleport, from one particle to another, because if you can teleport from a particle to a particle, you can teleport from a accumulation of particles that become matter. So he can teleport from place to place. Um, and like I said, he was in the last. Uh, I'm trying to think of the the main villain in the last X-Men. Well, it may not be the last X-Men, but. Uh, he was in one of those movies. Uh, It was either the last one or the one before that where he's blue and he's actually, uh, I think, fighting in a cage with the angel, Uh, the same cage that the angel was in. And he became, you know, uh, he eventually became, once they got out, he could teleport from one place to another by the particle entanglement. Because science Uh, It got to the point with the Manhattan Project and nuclear energy in being able to liberate energy from matter. The second half of that is creating matter, matter from energy. That's the second half of the two pieces of this type of power. Being able to understand that particles are together, being able to collapse the waveform, being able to actualize particles—teleportation is part of that whole uh, science and scheme of uh, energy manipulation. So, Nightcrawler is part of—you know—it's part of that whole thing. But Nightcrawler—he's like I said—he's all hooked up into being a Catholic and morality and all that kind of stuff. Um uh, you know, and I think he was what was he, German or Slavian or something, you know. Uh and a Catholic. Which like I say was his biggest problem. Uh any other questions?
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh we got a we got um we got caller from the three two three Four seven four three two three four seven four. Your microphone is wide open. Can I get your name and where you're calling from, please? Uh,
3: this is Brother Robert from Los Angeles. I, I really have nothing to say or any questions, uh, Baba Kalinda. You are. I, I just don't have words for you right now. But I am so intrigued from everything I heard. So I'm just gonna sit back and take notes and listen. But thank you, Brother. Um, thank, you, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank well, you, Brother. Thank
4: Kier you for, for coming on and listening. Thank you for coming on and listening. Appreciate it.
2: Appreciate you more. All right. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother Robert. Uh, next caller from 870-870-489. Your microphone is wide open. Can I get your name and where you're calling from, please? Hello, 870-489. Can I get your name and where you're calling from, please? Your mic is wide open. Hello? All right. Might have been an accident. Going once, going twice. All right. Don't hang up, though. I'm going to just put you back on mute. Get back in with you later. Next caller from the 919672. Your mic is wide open. Can I get your name and where you're calling from, please?
3: Hey. El Naja, my league. You better hey. know Jay. What's up? What's up, brother? Hey, peace. All right, all right. Peace. Peace. So, Peace, Bubba Kalindi. So, yes. um, <clears throat> you know, I found it very intriguing last week because you know, out of all the teachers and all the people, out of all the people that uh, speak on, that's the first time I heard anybody speak on the ancient, um, you know, things of Egypt, like you might see the headdresses and you're the first one that I hear speak about that it's a technology more like technological and not cultural and uh, you know Earth, Wind & Fire used to show that on their album cover they used to show um, they, on one half they would show what we see and on the other half they would show the technology and that's one thing that I found uh, in some of the mystery schools <clears throat> and yeah. you know some of the mystery schools and the, they're like actually I'm looking around while I'm in there sometimes amongst all these mystics, and I'm sitting here like, I wonder, are y'all comprehending this is technolog- technological functions that we are tuning to more so than just something symbolic? And every now and then, you know, I get a glimpse of something, but I never had anybody talk to with other than maybe Colin over there, and, and I heard you say it because, you know, I don't bring it up much because it's really something... You don't hear much of, but could you maybe expound upon what how these uh different mystery schools plan into either getting us ready for something or what are what are their role in your from your point of view
4: well, well when you when you when you say in mystery school or you're talking about a uh advanced place of learning it has to have a plenum of information that it taps into and it has to identify which information that it's tapping into because you have um, some schools that are purporting to be mystery schools or reporting to be high-level uh, areas of knowledge which are modern. Most of the so-called mystery schools that we have heard about or known about or looked at are recent educational facilities. They're not ancient. They're not mystery schools. Mystery (laughs) schools connect with the entheogenic power plants and power fungi to be able to have access to those schools because those schools are not on earth. They're not in this dimension. They are in the extra dimensions. And how you access the extra dimensions is through the power plants. Now, there are places that augment their practices which are basically dark room technologies also with the entheogens. So if it is a mystery school, it has to be identified and hooked to what entheogen is utilizing to get access to the mysteries. And the mysteries are an experience. They're not a um, let's all sit down and I'm going to, you know, you're going to read the book or whatever. No, you're in the experience. You're learning by being there and doing. So, the mystery school is going into the mystery. Not that life itself and walking around here eating bologna sandwiches and going to the bathroom ain't part of the mystery school because it is. But access to the higher mysteries is accessed through the power plants. And the quintessential power plant or power fungi in this dimension is the psilocybin mushroom, the magic mushroom, the dimethyltryptamine mushroom, even smoked DMT, even DMT in ayahuasca are not as pristine as the mushroom, because the mushroom, number one, is whole within itself. It's not an alchemy. It is generated in its wholeness to deliver the entheogenic, psychedelic, hallucinogenic experience that gives you access into the Akashic or Akashic records, into the different realms of The the planets of war, the planets of music, the planets of knowledge. And when I say planets, it's not an extra planet. It's a dimension that encloses this knowledge and information that you can go into and access and that you can experience in real time. So the mysteries mysteries are the older planets of information that are contained within the power plants. That's the technology, the organic artificial and uh, uh, organic artificial technology. I hope I got your question in there.
3: Yes, it's in there because that's actually okay. what that's actually what one. I'm know one school in particular, but actually all of them have actually said this is not it right here on this. You know, in some way or another, they do point to go elsewhere this is not it, but you can get, this is your starting point or something, you know? So, um, yeah, so I, 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 and, but no one really says exactly what it is, but if you tune in, of course I found, I I mean, I'm finding out now, you know, uh, and I found out in, uh, you know, through information like this, but I haven't been there, (laughs) you know, I can't remember going there or anything like that, but yeah. That answers the
4: question. Okay, real good. Whatever. So these
2: these yep. organizations are you talking about like are you talking about like the Masons and the Rosicrucians and the Templar and stuff like that? Oh yeah. Uh, well, for, the,
4: for the average for the average for the average practitioner, you know, the Rosicrucians, the Templars, the Masons, and all of the stuff of the things, they have the trappings of the mystery, but they're not tapping the mystery and going into the mystery. You know, you have other organizations that are um, on a different level that are accessing those those realms. But like I said, you have to identify yourself and um, you have to know what's hooked to what and who's hooked to who. And uh, if you hook to something that is... Beneficial to life or something that is detrimental to life, you know, it's just eating, you know, you hook to something that's eating they want you to deliver, uh, deliver souls, you know, it's like the, uh, what is that castle up in, uh, a castle. well, they have castles in France, they have them in England, they have them in Germany where these elite folks get together and, uh, you know, kidnap children, uh, frighten them so that their adrenal glands go into uh, flight mode. And then they, you know, uh, take the adrenochrome out of them. uh, And they utilize the adrenochrome as a psychedelic and a way of accessing accessing uh realms that we would see or say would be negative rather than going for the higher levels through the mushrooms or something like that. Whereas or five M E O or uh what is it, in NN, an uh N M T or whatever it is, uh so they go for the adrenochrome, which extends life, which gives a experience of fear and the awful entities that are associated with that, rather than going into and understanding the different pristine and powerful energies of being able to have direct access through the self rather than through entities that are hooked to fear and that type of fear darkness. Now there are several areas of darkness. All darkness is not evil and all that kind of stuff. But the fear, the, those fear Feared dark entities, are uh, to things like adrenochrome and uh, those type of blood right sacrifices of getting access to uh, certain realms. You know, you you have to reject that and not associate with those blood right fear entities that are part of this the system that's uh controlling the majority of the uh space time that is included in you know the the what we would call the more evil parts of the world, the evil dimensions because they're there also of course.
2: All right. Thank you. Uh, Jay, don't go nowhere. I'm going to leave your line open. I got another caller on the line. Uh, caller from uh, Represent Ohio. Caller from the 330475. Your microphone is wide open. Can I get the name of where you're calling from, please?
3: Peace. This is Eric. I'm out here in Columbus, Ohio. Love and respect, Baba Kalindi.
4: Yo, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's thank all, you. That's all, um, that I can, all that I can get. Pardon? <laughs> I said, thank you. I'm, I need all of that I
3: can get.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: got it. Got it. Well, you got some over here.
2: Um, really, uh, what I wanted to ask about was um, I've, I've recently began to walk down the path of, of E5, and as I am, I'm seeing the Arisha and everything. I don't know if you covered this earlier in the show. I, I kind of tuned in probably like the last uh hour to show and then you know this overtime section but I know that there is that for example Sean Go I say is is a representative of his as the Black Panther. Um I know that uh Storm, the character Storm is also sort of a representation of, of Oya. And my question is, you know, are there any of the other Orisha's that you see in the in the Marvel universe?
4: Well I mean uh I would say that uh, Shango um, would be more readily Thor because uh, both the, uh, the thunder and lightning. Right. And uh, Shango has the double-headed axe where Thor has Mjolnir, Mjolnir which is actually this the this same thing in traditionally yeah. not in in, in Marbles not in Marble's tradition, but Thor's colors are red and white. Mm. So that I would associate more that way. Storm of course with Oya, you know. Um they're I mean they're all there, you know, um in part or in fullness, you know. Uh, if we're talking about uh, so Obatala That would be Odin You know with the white beard And the whole thing um, You know so they're, I mean they're all there You know the archetypes Because We're, we're dealing with uh, We're dealing with divine Archetypes just like With the Netaru you're dealing with Powers and principles in nature, which is again the same thing, but right. you have different entities representing these in a anthropomorphic form. You know, it is showing us our our power, our our way. It's just like, um, you know, uh, divination. You know whether well, 16 calories, which is 32, which is two more than that, 64, which is the same as the chessboard, which is the same, you know, as the checkerboard. Um,
2: same we extend board. that
4: off with, with, yeah, same thing as uh, the E-G, you know, uh, the different uh, trigrams, uh, extending that off into the, um, uh, Trying to think of the name of the uh, the game there with the circles, and you put the uh shells in the different holes and you move them mm-hmm. around the, the board i can't I can't think of call it right off my head right now, but I'll think of it in a second
3: Macala, man that, or something like
4: that. yeah, yeah, and then extending that off into go, you know which is the most most complicated game on earth go uh. So all of the archetypes are there, but they anthropomorphize into uh, different characters, uh, exhibiting different patterns and different sophistries and different ways of expressing the energies that come to every that come to everybody because they're talking about. Everybody, they're talking about the mind, the ore, The ore is the head You know And your head Encases a certain Attribute Up and above the others And that is identified Through nature Through the divination What your head is most like But all of the all of the powers are in your Ori or your head. You know. And all of this comes from the parent star which is the the parent stars, the Sirius, the Sirius star the seri the serious star. The serious the the visible which is the serious A and the invisible which is serious B and the entangled the tri entangled star which is serious C. That's why um, the, uh, the, the planet Fay, Which is the Ile Ife Ile Ife In Nigeria Is a reflection Or a downloaded Pattern Of The planet Fay In the Sirius star System That orbits Around Sirius C So The Yorba Of which You can Find Many times, no connection to many of the other African groups, even in its area. And the extraterrestrial DNA that the Yoruba have that comes from the Sirius star system. Now, the, uh, the Akan also come from the Sirius star system, but they don't come from the planet Faye They come from a different planet in a different part of the Sirius star system. It's like, like the the Pambara and the Dogon and uh, other groups of the serious the serious Africans that that were downloaded here at different times at different periods and different places. Now you have a group of of uh the Ga that come from, uh, come through Kemet. And when I talk about the West African groups who are associated with Kemet, I don't say come from Kemet, I say come through Kemet because the Younger Dryas catastrophe made Kemet like New York. That's what I say which people were the ancient Egyptians. Well, the ancient Egyptians or the ancient Kemetic people it's like New York City. You know, you got all kind of people there because it's a focal point of a large metropolitan area, and that happened because of climatic changes that happened. Floods where the Nile was 150 feet higher than it is today because of floods in the interior of Africa and the Great Lakes and things like that which created created, um, changes in the um, flooding of the Nile and things like that and the major younger driest impact uh, uh, 12,800 I mean 12,800 years ago and 11,600 years ago which, which dried up the Sahara which dried up the Tigris uh, and Euphrates Which Drove people To the only available water source so You get all types of different people there There are 27 different uh, 27 major Different humanoid types In Africa that Are not associated, associated With one another The Ethiopian and Somalian Is not the same Human being as the Nigerian or the Ghanaian or the Senegalese they're different folks. They're different humanoid types. Now, people will say, "Oh, we're all human, we're one race. we all have the basically the same genetics, but those minute differences in the genetics make make all of these different groups different. You got ninety nine percent the same DNA as a chimpanzee. You got ninety eight point seven five the same genetics as a gorilla. You got the same you got eighty percent of the same genes as a mouse. You got seventy five percent same genes as a fruit fly. So the minute differences mean a lot. So when we say African, yes, we're all African. Even folks who were in the Central America and South America and The North America Even if you say Oh we was here before You know this and that and all that kind of stuff Yes but you still ultimately (laughs) Maybe two or three hundred years ago Still came from Africa And At times I mean even millions of years ago When they think When they thought or think now That no human beings were here We were here millions of years ago Millions of years ago So um, When we talk about the archetypes And things like that That are part of the uh, Yoruba Panthenon Or the Akan Panthenon Or the Ibo Panthenon or whatever You know know, You're talking about uh, Archetypes Anthropomorphized but still have certain things that are in individual peoples and individual groups. So I hope that answers your, your question. You all stay there? Uh, oh, yeah. Hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah you all still there or I, I was you know, the buttons turn off but I'll be it. talking for thirty minutes and uh, nobody didn't hear me. But yeah.
2: Oh no, nah, we Hope got that it answered it. the question. Yes. I think you might have I think you might have got disconnected but we got it on the recording. Um I also had um the brother from the eight seven zero, his phone was malfunctioning, but he texted me he said he you he wanted you to uh explain the venom character and speak on making a golem, G O L E M, as in Mary.
4: Okay. Um uh let's see. Well I'll I'll do uh um I'll do the, the, the golem first. Um, okay. Because uh, you know I saw Venom; it was pretty, pretty nice uh, uh, rendition of Venom. I think they did a pretty good job. And by that, the what you're talking about is a Well, I do, Venom. What you're talking about is a black. You're, you're talking about a artificial intelligence that is impregnated into a black a black goo, what they call. Black goo. They have gray goo. They have black goo and things like that. Silver goo. It is intelligence. It is intelligent. Uh, not a plasma, but um, like like a, like a plastic, but it's it's a nano bots inside of this. And what they do is he created a symbiotic uh, relationship with this artificially intelligent goo gum and the extraterrestrial nature of this black goo made a commitment not to kill this person but to be part of this person you know and i've seen and i've seen these uh, seen these beings in the multiverse especially when uh the girl turned into the lady venom. Um, I mean, I don't know uh, I had smoked smokes and T before Venom came out. And I saw that, uh, venom girl didn't have the same type of head, same type of face, didn't have the teeth, but just a regular woman's head ball, but that venom girl body. So, you know, uh, you know, I ain't prejudiced with females in the multiverse. Uh, you know, just like Kirk and the Green Woman or whatever. You know, uh, but it is a sentient <laughs> nanobot goo that created a symbiotic relationship with the the character inside of the movie, which gave him powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men, and. The second part of the question was Dealing with uh, Let's see What was the second part? The, the, golem. Golem. the, L- golem. the, the golem. golem The golem Oh, yeah, well I know what a golem is um, uh, When I was in Prague um, Been to Prague several several times And I went to the Alchemist Museum and at the Alchemist Museum which was just which was found in the 80s it, when a museum wasn't was found in the 80s they made it a museum after the workplace of the Alchemists who were brought to Brought by Rudolph, by King Rudolph, to do alchemical experiments in the kingdom. Rudolph brought John Dee and Edward Kelly. John Dee was the astrologer of Queen Elizabeth. But Queen Elizabeth wasn't paying him that good, so Rudolph paying better so they brought John D. and Edward Kelly to Prague. Now in the eighties when they were fixing the street at this house which is the second oldest house in Prague, uh, I think they this house was made in like eight hundred and seven. You go into the museum and they tell you about the whole, you know, history of the of of the uh the house and what what Edward Kelly and John D. were doing there. You push the griffin on the bookshelf, and the bookshelf slides back like an old Frankenstein movie. And you go down the winding stairs into this dungeon. And in this dungeon, you have the, the cauldron where they were um, heating up the the different mercury and all these different types of things. You have the section where they blew the gas, glass for that... Um, different beakers and all these different things so they're down there and turn the to golem and other stuff and right up the street um, from the Prague Museum is uh, where the golem was made the golem was a homunculus in other words it is a, it's It's a an effigy That was brought to life In other words They they made this thing To protect the the Jews Because they were in a Christian Country and the Christians were Messing with the Jews and stuff like that So in this basement That I was in Where they did the uh, Where they did all this Alchemical work For uh, King Rudolph uh, you had these tunnels down there. They wouldn't let you go through the tunnel because they, you know, they were kind of rickety and don't want to, you know, a piece of the rock to fall out to the ceiling or a piece of brick or something to fall and hit somebody and get sued. But one went all the way to Prague Castle. The other tunnel
0: went
4: under the Christian areas and connected the Jewish areas together, so you could go underground. If you wanted to go see your uncle, he was on the other side of town, you a Jew, he a Jew and you wanna get past the you know, you wanna get past the Christians without walking up top, you would go through these tunnels. So Judah Law bin Baziel and I may not be pronouncing it right because my Jewish stuff ain't that greatest you know i do I do good enough speaking English and piglatinus, you know something like that um, um but Judalo Bin Bazelel Baziel or whatever he's the one who created it out of out of clay mud and by by uttering the name of by uttering the unutterable name. Of God He made this thing Come to life This big play effigy It is the precursor to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein Because You're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath And The golem would be Cool you know he'd protect the Jews And they could send him out and he'd kill a bunch Of Christians and all that kind of stuff Um But they start doing some some stuff on the Sabbath, and it made the golem go crazy. And the golem just started acting like Frankenstein, you know, walking through, killing people, beating people up and all that kind of stuff. But if you go upstairs and go out the door and go down the street, the golem is the burial place of the golem is right down the street across from the synagogue in Prague. And, you know, I went past the whole place where the golem is supposed to be buried. So that's what the golem is, and um, it's part of the whole alchemical rituals, you know, uh, Jewish mysticism and all that kind of stuff, old Jewish mysticism and all that kind of stuff in Prague, you know, and um, the uh, who else? But that's, that's what the golem is. So I've been to the Golem's house.
2: Okay, we got a couple more minutes. I got the sister one more. She has a, she has a question. She 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 trying to text me, text me all of it. But she got a bunch of energy into it. I'm gonna open up two zero two five three six so she can ask you the question. Two zero two five three six. The mic is wide open. Let me get your name and where you're calling from, please. Hello. Call Hello. us on the two oh two. Yes
4: ma'am.
5: Yeah. Hey, can you hear me? Hello?
4: Yes we can. Yes. Yes. How are you doing?
5: I'm great. How are you?
4: Good. Thank
5: right. you so much for the information um that you are um giving. I just have a uh quick question about um ayahuasca and the magic mushroom okay. so i just got back i just got back from peru um indulging um uh with ayahuasca um,
0: okay.
5: and it was the the experience was very profound uh I felt like I just heard about ayahuasca last year um and- as soon as I heard about Ayahuasca, She called me forth. And so I went. It was a profound experience. I felt like she was a very highly conscious vine. And I went there, and she healed some things that I didn't even know to ask for. It was very healing. And basically it was like the most powerful spiritual experience that I've had thus far huh? this lifetime. And I am curious about the magic mushroom because i'm just finding out about this as well and i've heard Mm -hmm. you mention some of the differences as far as like uh the alchemy difference between the two i'm curious about the magic mushroom like what is what is the main significant um difference between ayahuasca and the mushroom like
4: Mm, okay well the differences i that, know it's a
5: broad it's a uh, broad question. I'm trying to narrow it down a little bit, but uh, uh, the the
4: mush- the mushroom is an older system it's an older plenum of information, so it has more information and most of the time uh with ayahuasca, which is a DMT just as the mushrooms are the form of d m t you know, the ayahuasca is a culture of viridus and monasterious copy put together, ground, uh, shredded, ground, put together, mixed with water and boiled to merge the constituents. One is the DMT, the other is a monoamine oxidase inhibitor, which allows the DMT to cross into the bloodstream so that it can be utilized by the brain to give the experience you have inside of that a newer system newer system because fungi um just regular fungi is 465 million years older than the first plant that ever came to the earth so the mushrooms were here just in dealing with regular mass 465 million years before there were any plants around. Then you had to mm-hmm. identify the plants to put together. Then you had to uh, be at the time when, uh, after one of these cataclysms, that you have the ability to create a vessel. You have to have domesticated Fire. You have to have the formula, and then you have a person that is in between the formula, you and your experience with the mushrooms. You got two minutes,
2: Bob. You got two minutes. When the
4: okay, when the Africans left the canopy rainforest and spread out into newly formed grasslands, following the cattle, so that they could.